Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. I don't know what time you're listening to this. All I know is you're listening to I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson on Market Scale Radio. So we're glad to have you here today. I think we've got a really interesting show. Uh, this is Holy Week uh, for Christians. Uh, excited. Uh, it's, a, it's a great time between Palm Sunday leading up to, to Easter. Uh, and uh, I want to wish everyone a happy Easter. So during our interesting times of the COVID pandemic, I thought, hey, let's find out what's happening in churches. Uh, you know, many churches have had to gr- drastically alter how they, uh, how they worship, how they interact with their congregation and their communities. And so one of my very dear friends, the Reverend Stephen T. Carroll, who is the pastor of worship and music at Park City's Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, our former church before we moved down here to Waco, Texas. Uh, so Stephen's going to be joining us here in just a moment to talk about, you know, how how Park Cities has adapted uh, their worship style, their missions, their, you know, just really how they how they interact with the community uh, on a daily basis. And much like us in healthcare, it's been a very fluid process for them as well. So so when we come back after the break, uh, you'll hear my good friend uh, Stephen T. Carroll on I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson. All right, we're back with I Don't Care with Kevin Stevenson, and this is an extra special treat for me. One of my very dear friends, probably the greatest singer who I ever interact with, Mr. Stephen Carroll, the pastor pastor of worship and music at Park City's Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. And surprise, listeners, guess where he went to university? He went to Baylor, of course. Sick and bear, Stephen. How are you? <laughs> oh, Kevin, I am. Uh, I'm hanging in there, my brother. Considering all things, uh, I'm blessed and, and grateful these days. Yeah. Well. Well, I, I'm. I'm really glad to have you on. I think it's very. Uh, it's very topical with this being uh, Holy Week uh, and in the midst of something that none of us have ever been a part of. Uh, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic is something unlike any of us have ever seen. Uh, you know, I tell people in my 30 years in healthcare, I've been, I've been in hurricanes and uh, certainly went through 9-11 and, and other, other disasters or, or whatever, but I've never seen anything like this because we honestly don't know when it will end. And so I thought this week uh, it would be very interesting to hear how how churches are dealing with the COVID pandemic, because this has really rocked your world, hasn't it, Stephen? It really has, Kevin. Um, you know, I've been in this work uh, for 40 years, and uh, uh, for, for my calling and for what I do, uh, people are just uh, the centerpiece of my life, whether it is the congregation I'm serving or the particular worship ministry that God has called me to, or the community where He's called me to, uh, my life literally has been um, defined by the density of people that uh, I can impact and immerse myself into. So, uh, just from a relational standpoint, uh, it's been it's been a very heavy thing for me. But uh, but certainly pastorally, ministerially, in church programming. 
particularly for a kind of music and worship ministry uh, that I've been involved in down through the years. Not only is the congregation uh, and that interaction uh, just uh, such an amazing uh, privilege for me, but those that lead worship with me, I've had uh, hundreds of people around me over these decades in choirs and orchestras and handbells, children's choirs, youth choirs, uh, doing this alongside me. I don't have just a handful of people. There's been hundreds and hundreds in the in the two churches I've served for quite some time. So, yeah, it has been a it's it's been a real demand. And of course, it's not just uh, for worship ministry. It's it's affecting us mm-hmm. across the board. Of course, sure. Yeah, sure. Well, and, and then layer on top of that, both you and I, you know, we're we're very relational people, and we're huggers. And I miss the hugs. I got to tell you, you know, I miss oh, the hugs. <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I I do engage in a lot of uh, physical <laughs> affection, and and that is something I've yeah. really missed. Yeah, that's true. Well, hey. Uh, you know, I, I know, like I said up front, I know how difficult this has been for churches and, and for for how you how churches operate with interaction with the congregation and the community as well. And so, I'm sure the decision to to really halt worship services and halt church activities was a really difficult one. Talk to me a little bit about how Park Cities went about that decision making process. What weighed into that? And and uh, yeah. Sure. Well, it, 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 for everyone, I think it cascaded um, a little bit incrementally within a short amount of time. Um, I think uh, all of us who are involved in uh, leadership positions uh, across our culture, whether it be in education, whether it be in church life, or whether it be uh, in corporate life, um, you know, it, it kind of cascaded uh, you know, we began with just trying to figure out, uh, I believe there was uh, like a mandate of 500 people that we first heard about. And so, gosh, we were trying to figure out, you know, uh, two of our three worship uh, venues uh, exceed that number. And so we were trying to figure out, okay, now how is that going to happen, you know, immediately? How can we possibly go about adjusting uh, the landscape of our worship to meet that need? Um, and then, and then I think what happened was within the midst of that, we were all scrambling to try to figure out how to how to uh, create more services, maybe for for different numbers. But then uh, things escalated in that week and cascaded. Uh, I mean, down to I think like fifty, you know, group, groups of fifty. And then you know, all bets were really off uh, at, at that point. And and as you can imagine, we were calling meetings so fast. Uh, at that point, we were still meeting on campus. Uh, we were having urgent meetings uh, literally every day of the week, and uh, we were gathering in small uh, decision groups and, and study groups uh, of how to handle all our age group ministries from you know preschool to senior adult, and then uh, how to handle all our program ministries that dealt with uh, missions uh, you know, across the city and, uh, and worship. So yeah, we were in we were in very uh, fast-paced mode there, uh, trying to design, you know, what we were going to do quickly. So we were hit with challenges, and and as we all know, uh, unfortunately, as fast as this thing cascaded downward, uh, you know, we're not going 
to cascade upward as quickly. It's going to take much mm-hmm. longer, and we can get into that in a little bit. But uh, oh yeah, absolutely. And, and hey, you brought something up to just talking about the missions because because Park City's Baptist, uh, along with a number of other churches, kind of in that that Highland Park University Park area. Uh, are really tied in with the Vickery Meadow area, which for, for listeners, if, you, if you're not aware of, of Vickery Meadow, it, it's an area just east of Central Expressway, north of downtown Dallas, that back in the 80s was, was really, it was Yuppieville. Uh, you know, all of these townhouses and apartments were built there. And then when, they, when the, the first crash of the, of the late 80s happened, uh, that quickly turned from Yuppieville to uh, 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 apartment and townhouse owners looking to find people to fill those spaces. So it really flipped into to, uh, Section 8 housing, if you will. And so today there's probably, a, you know, roughly 50,000 people that live in a very, uh, very dense area. And there's about from, you know, I've heard all sorts of numbers, but, but the number I hear the most often is that there's about 70 different languages and dialects spoken in that dense area. And so, yeah, and so people are really, really look to the churches and other social service organizations for help. And so, you know, that's an area that I'm sure really was, was greatly impacted by this uh Right off the bat, yeah. Oh, you can only you you can only imagine, Kevin, and 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 there are uh, uh, so many uh, cultures that have uh, have landed in that particular part of our city. As uh, a lot of those uh, multifamily housing units uh, obviously opened up with some flight uh, down through the years, and uh, and there has been some economic struggles there. Uh, there have been uh, a lot of jobless people. Uh, there's been a lot of single parent families. Uh, so the, the need, by the way, uh, is ongoing and it's been ongoing for, uh, as you mentioned, decades. So yes, in a time of crisis, and I think everybody has seen this as we've seen the reports, uh, those that are economically challenged uh, seem to really have a greater liability in these days in, 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 a, in a multitude of respects. I think uh, the, the the difficulty is, boy, when you get a shelter in place mandate, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, I, I know our city and county and state and national leaders are all thinking about the entire demographic of our country, uh, about how many people are so dependent. I mean, we heard the stories about the the school uh, lunch programs that uh, you know there were some children that were not going to eat and 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 a, and a lot of the areas where we minister to directly as a church and as a partnership of churches obviously were were hit with this immediately so we had to think quickly how can we you know support uh, these families um, a lot of the partnerships that we have there particularly with the schools the elementary schools, the middle schools, the junior highs, because you know we we impact those faculties and administrations uh, greatly with resources and uh, with uh, manpower and boots on the ground. And- I, I was just going to say, you know, the other thing too that's now coming out is we have more more cases uh, and unfortunately more more deaths coming out of all this. And looking at the demographics of those, it, it we're really seeing a high propensity for uh, for minorities to be impacted by this primarily because of social determinants of health, 
dense, you know, the density of their living conditions, and also the fact that that they already have a number of comorbidities. You look down to to frankly around New Orleans, where you know the diabetes rate, the obesity rate, the hypertension rate, and you on and on and on are twice the national average. That's really reflecting in the in the mortality rates too. So don't know how we got off on that. Let's get back, bring it back into the church walls. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, I will say, Kevin, real interestingly, I'll tell you an example of what we're doing uh, to, uh, to, in order to protect our church members. Uh, we have many members who are involved in that missions ministry. They're, act they're actually loading their back uh, seats or their, their, uh, their cargo spaces in the back of their SUVs oh, where great. they can uh, load up with diapers and food and supplies. And what they'll do is They'll drive up to these centers, and then there'll be representatives. They'll just pop the latch on their on their uh, their back uh, of their vehicles, or or pop their trunks, or people open them. So we're not having to to do a lot of person to person contact, but we're still delivering uh, resources and supplies, materials, food, those kinds of things. So those kinds of things are still happening in a very creative way. Yeah, that's great. Well, okay, back to the church. And so you had to make the decision, shutting everything down, and, and then going from a, a church that does have three simultaneous worship services, and, and there's, the, there's the more traditional model in the sanctuary, there's the uh, uh, contemporary in the Great Hall, and the Spanish service in, in another part of the church. You had to convince those. You had to figure out, okay, how are we going to best present this to our congregation and community. So, so what happened with that? Well, every church, uh, no matter how advanced they are in their current technology, social media production components, you know, every church has a, a certain layer of those kinds of things. Uh, many churches are blessed and have the resources to have already been very active in a lot of um, social media and internet streaming type communications and then think of the churches that uh, you know don't have that kind of platform that are not uh, as advanced uh, you know this 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 put an immediate halt to any sort of gathering which which then uh, placed a demand on the churches wherever they were uh, they had to figure out immediately how to communicate and it's been everything from as rudimentary as you know picking up the phone and and trying to have conference calls to to some of the more you know complex and and uh, sophisticated uh, Zoom meetings that you hear about and and, and all manner of uh, of gallery platforms where you get people on the phone. So we had to we had to figure out immediately what we had to make an assessment of of what resources do we have in place at this time. And uh, because of the studio effect and the uh, condensed nature of our of our contemporary worship, we have a lot of components there that were already very active in a lot of the social media and online streaming. You know, the sanctuary, which seats uh, around 2,000, uh, quite a complex place to produce. We have uh, you know 100 voice choir, a 40 piece orchestra, and uh, and a huge uh, ambient room. So uh, this kind of hit us a little bit flat-footed in, in being able to broadcast from there immediately, 
which is a little bit of a disadvantage, but uh, we're, we're working towards things as, as quickly as we can with, with that expression. But, uh, but, but I do think what this did is it, causes, it caused every church, it caused our church to say, okay, now how can we pull all of our resources together in communicating with our congregations and then in doing both uh, recorded and live communications. And do we need to temporarily go out and uh, contract uh, uh, people uh, to assist us on a, on a short-term basis? Or do we have all the boots on the ground to do that? So you betcha, we had to, we had to do a, a huge inventory of not only our component resources, but just our boots on the ground. And you know, it can overheat the system. There's no two ways about it. Oh, I'm sure. And, and, you know, I've seen a wide variety, like you were saying, there's there are so many churches, most churches, frankly, don't have the resource to be able to pull this off. So I've seen churches utilizing things like Facebook Live or there's a church down here in Central Texas that is actually still meeting in their parking lot. They're keeping everybody in their cars. They've got, you know, they're broadcasting the old fashioned way through a loudspeaker. And, uh, you know, so I think well, we all we, we all know about those churches that have have been virtual churches from the very beginning, uh, who've never really had any sort of uh, physical gathering. And we do have those running throughout uh, not only um, our city, but uh, our, our state and world. Uh, there's 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 been some very creative congregations that have uh, been birthed out of just an, an Internet component. But boy, you take a church like uh, Park City's Baptist Church and a lot of churches that are old warhorse battleship churches that have been gathering for decades and decades and decades. And, and, and you know, obviously you're dealing with multi-generations at, at a church like uh, Park City's and, and a lot of churches that have been around a while. So you really have to uh, adapt your programming, your communication uh, to all those vehicles that... Uh, that uh, your congregation has been able uh, to get comfortable with and have resources for. So you got to almost do an inventory. In fact, uh, within our sanctuary choir of, uh, of, of about 150, we've, we've gone in and, and, you know, made sure we've known uh, now who all has this capacity and uh, get back with us if you can't do this or if you can't access this. So you betcha, we've, we've kept a lot of ongoing lists of where everybody is uh, is currently finding themselves within their capacity to communicate. Yeah, I, you know, this has caused all of us to to reevaluate how, frankly, how we do business, how we communicate with people, and and I think honestly, I think we're all going to come out better for it. So, you know, so so how how do you think COVID is going to change how churches interact? Um, you know, with the congregation, with the community through, you know, obviously online, you guys are doing that and have been doing that, uh, you know, trying to trying to navigate those waters. But also from social media standpoint, you mentioned Zoom and, and I was so happy to be able to pop in on your Zoom uh, choir rehearsal last week. That was that was a lot of fun. Uh, so uh, so talk a little bit about that. What are some of the other things that you're thinking about? Well, I do believe, you know, culture, uh, I mean, I've, I've heard some, somebody say, uh, one of our trustees at our church mentioned that, uh, you know, all of a sudden we have been instantaneously catapulted into the future. So I think in a way uh, we are tasting something uh, in some ways a lot sooner than we would have otherwise. So I do believe that there with the sophistication of culture and uh, 
with the advancement in technology, this has obviously, Kevin, had to force everyone to get on a learning curve. And so no matter where you have been within your context of uh, social media or internet capacity or information systems, uh, we in the church, COVID has caused this uh, to ramp up, I think, all of our communication skills and adapting skills that I think are going to serve us really well. You know, God willing, we will be able to emerge uh, back uh, uh, in community. But, uh, but in so doing, uh, I think it's going to ramp up uh, maybe incrementally. And in, and in so doing, uh, we're going to be depending on these uh, fast-learned PhD programs in, in, in three weeks over, over how to get communication going. Uh, I think it will make us a better communicating ministry within the church. I think it'll make us um, uh, more mindful of how needs can be met, how people can be touched personally. I think it's going to open up a whole new uh, platform of ministry opportunities that would would ultimately maybe we would have uh, embraced uh, had COVID not hit us in the face like this. Yeah, yeah, the same thing is happening in, in the healthcare world too, uh, because we're seeing a lot of temporary right now uh, relaxations of a number of regulations regarding uh, everything from physician licensure to to practitioner licenses where where people are able to be a little bit more fluid in, in what they do and where they do it. And and also for us, kind of the same thing in the church world. We're, you know, we've been doing some some telemedicine over the years, but now looking at things like, you know, doing tele teletherapies, telephysical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, things like that. And hopefully seeing that, uh, like Medicare has never been a big fan of, of telemedicine uh, in, uh, uh, in a lot of areas. But, but now hopefully they'll see the benefit that it can provide and that'll just cascade into the healthcare. Uh, oh, yeah. Kevin, I, I can tell you um, just, just immediately uh, where my mind goes thinking about how the church can be affected by this COVID crisis, I believe that there are going to be a lot more ministry communications where we're going to reach uh, the disabled, the handicapped, those that are shut in. Uh, we will have many more boots on the ground doing this kind of ministry instead of just the one or two who have been enlightened and motivated to get out and learn this. So I think it's going to allow there to be more Bible studies, more ministry opportunities and communications. Uh, yeah, it, it, we won't ever go back to how we uh, were doing it before within the life of the church. And and here's a little pastoral, the, the minister in me, a little evangelistic moment here. Uh, I'm, I hope somebody within the sound of this interview who has just realized... Uh, what it has meant to be isolated and so locked down. You know, the, the church has an opportunity to really uh, embrace uh, people and uh, to reach out and touch people in ways unlike ever before, uh, even in community. I think, I think all of us are, are not taking for granted uh, that blessing to come together and to experience the warmth of, of uh, relationships and fellowship 
and inspiration when we come together. So I think COVID is also going to remind us of the great blessing that has been ours all along. You know, you, you, you never know sometimes what you have until you lose it. That's exactly and so, right. So uh, we yeah. can thank COVID uh, potentially for that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know that brings up something that that I've been curious about. Are you seeing uh, uh, more inquiries about? I mean, from people who have yeah have not been a part of Park Cities or, or frankly not been a part of our church in a while. Are you hearing from people who are who are just looking for prayer, or looking for more resources? Uh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Our our counseling. Uh, links and uh, uh, personnel have been experiencing that. Obviously, as you know, uh, in mental health, there's a there's a big surge of of, uh, of needs there uh, across our culture with people experiencing anxieties and fears. But there are uh, more. You know, we're figuring out ways. I was listening to our pastor, Jeff, Dr. Jeff Warren, talk about ways in which he is able to uh, reach out and, and invite people to be a part of our fellowship, uh, even through a, a, a social media platform right now. Uh, so there are, there are people that we are reaching that maybe we would not have touched uh, had, had this not had happened. And so I think that's the next big uh, venture is to figure out, okay, now, uh, we're doing pretty well with all the people that are on our rolls and <laughs> that we have emails with and, and social media addresses for and all of that. But yet, uh, you know, what do we do now uh, from the church uh, framework uh, that's going to be able to penetrate culture uh, into all the lives that uh, we've never encountered? And so, uh, I, you know, I, I think the, those aspects have only begun to be peeled back. Uh, in these days, I got to be honest, Stephen. I, I see this as a as a real opportunity for, frankly, revival, not only locally but but across our nation, across the world. I really do. I really do. Absolutely, you bet. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And and you know, we're we're doing our best. Um, last week, of course, our staff right now, um, most of the pastoral staff who. Uh, were accustomed to having any primary position in worship leadership before we locked down. Uh, there's a handful of us. Uh, we were delivered to our doorsteps um, components that uh, consisted of um, a really advanced uh, iPhone tripod uh, in order to affix our phones for recording. Uh, we had uh, adaptive uh, lavalier microphones that would uh, plug directly into the iPhone. We had L we have LED fixtures that are part of this, and so you know, we, we, because our church has felt as though that we needed to abide by the mandate. That means if we're going to broadcast worship, uh, we're going to have to edit through recorded segments that happen from our home as staff. Now, a lot of churches have not taken the mandates that far. Uh, some churches are still gathering in their sanctuaries and putting their organist at their organ or going over into their uh, worship halls and uh, maybe layering um, some of their uh, contemporary band accompaniments. Uh, but we've chosen to really abide by the commissioner's requests and the governor's requests. So we've, we've really kept it at a minimum 
of getting down to the church at all. And so what that's required is that we make all of these recordings and then electronically send our segments to our production staff where they edit that for our worship services. So that's how we've been functioning the last three weeks. Okay. You sound like you're coming into my podcasting world. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you man. Know, recording uh, parts of my podcast, send it to my producers, <laughs> and you guys figure this out. Exactly. Right. I mean, I'm so glad I can send that thing on. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, no kidding. I, I'd hate to be uh, dependent upon me having to edit. Isn't that the hey, truth? Uh, one one last question, and this has been fascinating. And uh, But one thing, uh, in your opinion— do you see online worship positively or negatively impacting on-site church uh, attendance? The reason I say that, Stephen, is I got to be honest with you. The last few Sundays that we've been watching, uh, you know, participating in our church here in Waco online, you know, we're in our we're in our jammies, and, and I'm sitting there. You know, I got to admit. I'm eating in church and, and, you know, this is a different environment. And so, you know, what, what have you thought about that? You know, uh, I, I, am a fairly, I'm a fairly unique individual when it comes to, uh, the worship of the living God, the, the house of God has always been, uh, this, uh, summons, uh, this assembly of the body of Christ. And, you know, Paul tells us, uh, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. Um, I think that term assembly, I mean, you could argue in a court of law that uh, there is an assembly uh, when we come together online, uh, even though we're not together. I I think this will probably spawn uh, a portion of our culture that has a bandwidth for this, and it could be multi-generational. There could be as many... Um, senior adults, uh, tenured church people that go, wow, I, I, I could do this all the time, and there could be, uh, could be young adults. But I think ultimately uh, the, the thermostat of, of every Christian um, who is wanting to gather together as a body of Christ, I think the overarching sentiment is uh, we are biting at the bit to get back together to experience the synergy of worship. So, um, you know, I, I think it's going to do, um, you know, that's the amazing thing. I'll never forget the story of Corey Tim Boom when she was put into a concentration camp and it was miserable back in uh, the World War II, the Nazi regime, and there were fleas everywhere. She was a young girl at the time and it was miserable. And her older sister would say to her, Corey, uh, learn to thank God for everything right now, even the fleas, even the fleas. And she could not understand why her sister so, but she decided, I'm just going to thank God for the fleas. Well, over the course of weeks and, and months, uh, the Tin Boom family was able to share the gospel through Bible uh, gatherings in those concentration barracks. Uh, and the Nazis were, were unaware of what they were doing because they didn't want to go in there because there were fleas. And so the truth of the matter is something that was really considered a tragic, you know, horrible, deplorable uh, situation turned out to be a blessing. Maybe this COVID-19 is going to be that for the church. Maybe we will not only expand our capacity to reach people through where we've been forced to do it, through a lot of painful uh, learning and uh, adaptation, but then maybe it's going to also drive this 
uh, I guess, abandonment to be together as well, too. So maybe we're going to see uh, both uh, spectrums uh, create a, an unprecedented time for the life of the New Testament church, which is so desperately needed. Absolutely. And you know that I kind of said that tongue-in-cheek because... I can't wait to get back to church <laughs> yes. and, 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 and yes. hug, my, hug my good friends. Well, and, and brother, you know, when I get to Dallas, you're going to be one of the first people I come up and hug. <laughs> listen, I got to tell you, uh, uh, listening audience, uh, Kevin Stevenson, uh, he's been doing a great job on this incredible program of his. And he's, uh, he's, he's multi-talented and he contributes to our, our communities and culture in incredible ways. Uh, but he's one of the finest churchmen on the planet. And uh, not only is he a great baritone, uh, but he's a, he's a wonderful leader uh, in the life of church. And uh, Kevin, I, I, I miss you up in Dallas, but grateful that you're continuing your work uh, down, in, down in Waco, uh, our, our second home down in God's country where uh, my lady bear wife uh, spent many a season playing basketball there, and uh, I spent many a, a year uh, uh, serving churches while I was a student there, and uh, so it's uh, it's home for us, no doubt about it. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, whenever you come back to your second <laughs> home, you've always got a place to stay. It's mutual. So, so hug, hug your wonderful wife. Tell all my dear friends of the Sanctuary Choir tonight that I miss them and I love them. I will and give them your love, Kevin. I will. Please do. So, Stephen Carroll, thanks so much for joining us on the I Don't Care. It's been my privilege. Uh, let's do it again. Okay, it was great to hear from one of my very dear friends. Uh, Stephen brings a perspective, as he said, of 40 years in the ministry. And uh, you know, being blessed to be a part of a very, uh, a very resource-heavy uh, church at Park Cities gives them the opportunity to be able to, to reach out to, to many, many people, not only in their congregation but certainly across the, the, Dallas, uh, the Dallas area and throughout the world. And so I thought it was pretty interesting hearing how even they had to adapt uh, and, and look at different technologies. Uh, yeah, all the while uh, sharing the gospel with, uh, with their, the existing congregation and many folks who, uh, who may not have ha had any kind of interaction with the church in many years. So. With that, I think we'll uh, we'll put this uh, this episode of I don't care in the books again. Uh, uh, one more time, I want to say you know blessings to you. Uh, happy Easter, uh, happy uh, happy Passover to my Jewish friends uh, who are also celebrating at this time. And uh, uh, if you have any ideas uh, about uh, topics for our discussion during this uh, time of the COVID-19 pandemic, please send those to I don't care at marketscale.com. Yeah, we have our own email address. And so uh, looking forward to, to any topics or, or if you have any questions, comments, we'll take those too. Uh, so uh, once again, thanks so much. This is Kevin Stevenson. Have a great day.